Welcome to season three of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, Esports 101, Building a Business. Over the past year, we've talked with many esports professionals around the world. Our audience knows how to play games, and now they're eager to level up their skills in the business arena. This season aims to equip every esports entrepreneur with practical and useful knowledge to achieve success. Think of it as a mini course, Esports 101. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, where we talk about how esports can create jobs all around the world. In the season one, we talked about um, uh, we talked about the jobs. In season two, we talked about follow the money. We talked about investment. We talked about sponsorship. Now in season three, we're talking about esports 101, more the business basics. And our tagline is always play games, create jobs, change lives. Now today, I'm, I'm really, really happy that someone that that our guest today fit us into his schedule because he has a really interesting background to be talking about. It's Robert Gax. He's the creative lead of APAC in India at Ampverse. Welcome, Robert. Hey, glad to be here. Hey, where are you talking? Where are you speaking to us from? Um, I'm in I'm in Singapore. It's uh, Saturday morning, about eight a.m. Great. No, again, appreciate uh, appreciate your time your time here. First thing I want to ask you about is um, what what's the gaming and esports scene you know, industry in in Singapore and in Southeast Asia these days uh, from a broad uh, picture. All I can say is it, it, it's growing. Um, I think the the conversations we have um, with each other with each other at the shop and even outside with clients or potential sponsors is it's all about the market just just growing. Um, you can see that from the downloads. Uh, you can see it visually, just just even on the trains in the morning. Like everyone's playing something, and, and that's that's what I think is interesting. Is, is uh, when I travel around between like Singapore and Thailand or Jakarta, um, you, you just see everyone playing and it doesn't matter who you are. You can be, it could be, a, you know, a, a grandma playing Candy Crush. It can, it can be a kid playing, you know, Candy Crush and, and, um, League of Legends or whatever. Like it just depends on how good your eyesight is, I guess, um, and your speed and your interest. But, but it, it's just, it's everywhere. It's all around you. Um, I, I can't go to a single restaurant without seeing someone playing a game somewhere. And, and that, that's, you know, that says a lot and, and uh, it's quite impressive. So, so we're really optimistic um, right now. Um, I know people aren't really, really keen on the market right now. Um, these last six months have been pretty hard with, with esports and, and sponsorships and kind of, kind of new things to, to that we were hoping to materialize. Um, a lot, a lot of things are put on hold. Um, I think people are being a little cautious with the economy. Um, yet, you know, we're looking at projects that might, 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 you know, come to maturity next year. So that could, that, you know, everyone, everyone's, everyone's like, like, is the word cautiously optimistic? Um, but what we're seeing everywhere though, is there's, there's, it's, there's growth and people are getting more educated uh, on esports and gaming, and just trying to see how that works into their marketing plan and, and budget. Yes, yes. I want to ask you first on how you got into esports and gaming, because uh, one of the things I saw a, a quote I saw somewhere you said that when you found esports and gaming, that's exactly where I wanted to be, and I thought that was a great quote there. So, so why? Uh, 
how did you get into give? And if you do not bring Chuck E. Cheese into the conversation, <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I was around during that this the late seventies when it just boomed on us, and I was like, I was a kid, and and asteroids and, and Pac-Man and, and Frogger, Donkey Kong. Like you knew when, when a new cabinet would show up at the pizza place, like everyone knew, like the whole neighborhood was talking about it and you'd go watch kids play. And if you had some money, you'd play too. But, but everyone was just hanging on the edges of, of the cabinets. And uh, I remember people used to line up quarters to, to, to like, you know, hold your place in line. And it's just, it's just such a throwback kind of thing. But ever since then, and my mom saw us so into it and she literally got a job at Chuck E. Cheese. Could, um, you, could you describe what Chuck E. Cheese is to yeah, the world people, that may I, not know it? Cause it's, it's such a, such a cultural uh, phenomenon. Yeah. I don't even know if it exists outside California. Um, but Atari's founder uh, had set it up and, and, uh, it's a, it was, it was back, back then, I think it was called Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater. So it was like this half pizza place, half mechanical theater. You had this animatronic kind of, uh, you know, uh, characters that would play songs and stuff in each room. So it was, it was like this really crazy, like kind of mechanical vaudeville thing going on. And Chuck E. Cheese is this big rat and he's, he's like the main character. But the best part about it is you had the biggest arcade you've ever seen in your life. And, and it had all the new stuff. Everything in there was brand new. And, and they had Chuck E. Cheese coins. So you had, you had tokens that you could use. And, um, my mom got, my mom got the job there. Um, so my brother and I can go play after school. So, she, you know, school gets out like three o'clock or something. And, uh, she got the job. We'd get, we'd go have a pizza, or, you know, share a pizza. And there was always extra tokens around that her like 16 year old managers would like just shower on us. So we could, we could play all we wanted. I should have been way better at it. Now, honestly, the amount of practice I had, but, but no, I was, I was in dreamland. And, and then, you know, through, through, through my life, um, it was just gaming was just always around. And then esports kind of started to go and, um, just, there was just that running interest, but, but I got into advertising and I got into design and had a really, really great career doing, doing that kind of work. And once in a while, I'd come across maybe a, a game publisher and it, you know, it could be PlayStation or, or it could be a launch of a game. And once in a while, like it would come in and out of the agencies. I, I, I was a creative director. I worked at, um, uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners in San Francisco. Uh, I worked at Ogilvy, FCB, some really strong creative agencies. Um, but the whole time I was kind of watching the esports um, thing that was going on. I was always interested in designing games. So I started taking some extra courses like at night in secret, like on kind of how to uh, code code games and, and particularly uh, VR stuff I was interested in. Um, so, so this was kind of an ongoing hobby thing. So, so, um, when I got out of advertising, um, I was, I was working at a digital studio for the publishers of, of Vogue and Esquire and 
uh, I just happened to get a call from a headhunter, and you know these things r- rarely pan out. So, but but this they said, hey, are you interested in in getting into like esports and gaming? There's a company out here called Ampers, and they got five pro teams. And I was like, oh my god, that sounds so cool. Like it, like I don't think I'm qualified. Like I, I, I you know, I wasn't a pro gamer because it's quite a niche little group, and and I, I just didn't, I just didn't think like. Um, I had enough experience, like, like really on hand experience to, to, to get in there. I, and I couldn't, I couldn't name every tournament in the world. I'm like, I'm not that level at all. I know the games that like, I know, and I played some of them and not all of them. Um, but, but I just, I, I was just so interested and it just, it was the first time I think someone like brought up like, like something I could do. And like, I smiled, like when I heard about it, you know, I was like, Hey, that's, that's actually, that sounds cool. It's like, hey, you want to be a pilot? You know, so, so it's like, you know, you, like, like I'm just not qualified for that either. But with gaming, it's like, yeah, well, look, I'm a creative director. I've been working with brands, been launching whole brands um, uh, for years and years. And and yeah, I can bring some of that to our pro teams. And that's 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 really my was was my initial um, feelings on on this is what I could what maybe what what could I bring over? from the fashion shoots and also like the branding point of view. Yeah. I want to talk about your agency experience in just a minute, because I think that's, that, that's an interesting, um, interesting background to have for esports. So can you talk a little bit about Ampverse with what you, what your what the company does and what you do there? Yes. Um, Ampverse, Ampverse, um, started out as, as a company that, that acquired some teams and now it's putting together its own teams. Uh, the first teams were in Thailand, and we just launched a, a team in, in uh, Manila called Manana, very exciting team. And there's another team called Seven C that's in India. So, so it's it's quite diverse. It's quite a diverse um, portfolio of, of teams. You know, Vietnam as well, and and I, I think the power of Empress is just just being able to give each team its autonomy to kind of be itself because each team's so different. And this is something like, I think a lot of clients don't get right off the bat is like each team is, is, is has its own personality. Um, and the, the, the founders were smart enough to kind of let each team kind of grow or, organically. We have, we have of our two Thai teams, they're radically different. They're both Thai. They're both in the same office, uh, but radically different in spirit. Can you, could you could you expand on that a little bit? Because I think that's really interesting to see how it, the difference. What, what you mean by they're they're different in spirit? Like, for instance, uh, our, our main I'll say our main probably probably because I work with them the closest is uh, Bacon Time, and ba- Bacon great Time name, great name. Yeah, and and the origin of that is uh, the original players um, used to call when when they would get together and play. Um, they call that Bacon Time. They like to eat uh, bacon. They, they like to <laughs> like it's that simple. They like to eat bacon, but uh, the kind I guess the kind of code name for for gaming was was bacon time. It's stuff you enjoy, and it was synonymous. And that team's a really it's a real fun, um, happy go lucky team. So the the unlike a you know having a dragon or something really like a sword or as the as the the mascot. It's a pig. It's a cartoon pig. <laughs> and it's kind of more like a high school 
mascot style, you know, and if, you know, if I wanted to describe that, that brand, it, it would be like, okay, they're kind of mighty ducks meets K-pop, Korean K-pop. Cause the guys are good looking. We style them really well. Um, and they're sweet boys. They don't look like they're they're tough. And you know, we make sure when we we, we photograph them that we don't make them look like they're going to beat you up, you know. And, and so th- that that team has a really happy, eat together, fun loving spirit about them. The boys are great. And then Myth. Now Myth was the original made in Thailand team, and these guys are rougher. You know, uh, the style's rougher. The look is rougher. Um, they're more Muay Thai style. So, so like the, the Thai fighting, boxing, uh, Thai, you know, it's very famous, uh, from just being one of the toughest, uh, boxing or fighting sports. And myth has some of that in them because, you know, we did one shoot in a Muay Thai, uh, arena, uh, inside the ring and shot the guys and they fit right in. They were fine because they're scrappy. They're, they're brawlers and, um, made myth the the name myth is is uh derived from made in thailand so everything we do with them is very thai like it's a very thai based team where bacon time is kind of a mix they'll speak more english um where myth is like diehard uh thai and and i love that because because both of them have their own uh characters and personalities and, and they should i think each team needs to develop its own its own thing and it evolves, of course, over time. So one of the things that maybe I cut you off earlier on, but uh, could you describe what a creative person does? Yeah. At, at an esports agency in particular. <laughs> we, we, make, we make presentations a lot uh, right now because um, a, a lot of the work I'm doing now is trying to create new um, avenues for clients to advertise to get hold of this enormous market we have. Um, so we're coming up with, with let's say in-game items. So we we're pitching, we're pitching right now, um, uh, an in-game item for PUBG that, that hopefully, hopefully will we'll see the light of day in, in next year. Cause these, the runways for this are a lot longer. If you want to do something in game, um, it's going to take a while. It's not, it's not like a TV commercial that can happen in three months. It's going to, it could, we're looking at something from like six to, uh, you know, nine months maybe. But we, we work on some projects like that. Oh, sometimes we'll work on a tournament concept. And this could be for like Gillette. It could be for KFC, um, or Razor. Like, like it depends what market we're in. And it could either be a physical tournament, um, or it could be an online, uh, tournament. And, and one of the, one of the, the big things we learned early on is like, wow, the power of our influencers is really strong. So, so we use a lot of our, uh, influencers as almost like working team members of each team. Um, cause they're exclusive to each team that like, for instance, I mentioned bacon time and myth. Um, they have different sets of influencers that can, you know, uh, amplify their brands in different ways. So, so a lot of the stuff I'm doing now is, is, is new, I'd call it like kind of new territory stuff, um, business development stuff. So I'm using every trick I can to think of new concepts I can, I can bring clients. Um, and this, it's great. That's, that's great. It's hard, I think, cause you're always trying to looking for a, a brave client in a space that they might not understand, um, completely. 
because I've seen their eyes glaze over. Like we'll be in meetings and someone will start talking about league or ROV and, and they, they'll start using the short, our, our guys will start using the short names of these games. And, and these clients, I see them, they're like, they don't, they don't know what you're talking about. And, and you get a little worried. <laughs> and that's where, where I think we need to pull back and kind of go, okay, this is new to a lot of people. And, and we need to really like simplify it and spell it out kind of what's what. Cause even, even, even just the terms mobile versus PC, a lot of people can't get their heads around that. And, you know, they think everything's on, on PC or sometimes they think everything's on console or they don't understand how mobile could be a whole tournament, uh, around mobile. Um, but in Asia, mobile is enormous. And, and, and yes. um, I've heard different people say things like, like, um, you know, mobile is not as, not as, you don't need the same skill as you, as you would on a PC, but you know, it, it's, it's a different skill. It, it's just, it's different. It's just a different way that the interface is different. Um, but just as much, you know, um, reaction times and stuff, I'm sure. Um, it's just, a, it's just a different way. So, yes. so that's what I'm doing now is a lot of new stuff. But when I joined, it was more about getting, um, our brand Bible set up. And, and making sure our teams were lined up from a brand point of view. So I, I used to work with, with brands like Intel and Samsung and Qatar Airlines, like, like a lot of, you know, big, big brands, American Express. And we had really strict rules on our guidelines. And, and cause, cause work would go out worldwide. It would go out seven markets and to keep it, to keep an eye on that, uh, you, it took a lot of work. So, so likewise with our teams, we just try to make sure that our brands are really tight, making sure each team, um, has a production protocol. When we make content, we do pre-productions. We, we, we prepare before shoots. Um, I, 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 I was less concerned about being at the shoot. I'm more concerned about being at the uh, pre-production because that's when everything, uh, can go right is if you solve the problems before you show up on set. Because we spend money, we're shooting every single week with each team. So, so we did have to establish some protocols that they might not have had in place before. So we, we got, we got a lot more polished. And I think I brought a lot of the production protocols that I learned in advertising and production over to a smaller scale. Of course, we're a lot smaller. Well, that's, 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 that was one of the things I did want to ask you about because, because of your strong big agency. I mean, real, real ad agency. Uh, background. And I know people here in, in, in the industry and th- th- they think differently. They work differently. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the whole concept, uh, the, the relationship between the client, like you're describing clients like American Express or Toyota or Lexus or, yeah. or whoever it is and the agency. I mean, to manage those relationships, that takes a skill that, that very few people have to make it work, but there's so much money. That, that crosses hand that crosses um, through the business yeah. there that um, that it, it needs to be done properly. So could, yeah, could you describe maybe a little bit more detail? What kinds of things did you bring from ad agencies that maybe someone that's never set foot in an ad agency would even think about? Um, I, I I think the first one would probably be this uh, uh, the review process. So there are checkpoints where you just want to do a roundup and take a look at the work. And, um, have your input then, 
But you know what? Now that I say that, I'd say even before that, the first thing is uh, the creative brief. You want to know what you're going to do. And um, we go so fast because a lot of the work we do is on social media. So, so we go fast. And um, if, you're, if your brief is wrong, if, if what you want to do is wrong and not lining up, um, everything's going to be wrong after that. So I think, I think uh, the alignment sometimes um, from between the agency and, and the, the eSport e um, production line is, 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 is different in terms of just speed, but um, the same protocols can apply. So, so you, can, you can definitely have agreement on a, on a creative brief. And it could just be a discussion in all honesty. Um, but it's better if you write it down. <laughs> it's always better if you write it down to communicate because we do have offices where, where English isn't their first language and you have to be mindful of that and, and go, okay, like, like we got to make sure that there's nothing lost in translation. And that, that happens when you have two markets, both speaking English, that there's stuff lost in translation. So oh, it's good. East, to East coast and West coast here in the U S <laughs> used to be amazing. How in, I was doing print stuff for retailer. And it's just like the things that we would talk about with our print run versus what they were actually doing with the credit card company back in New Jersey, completely different. And we, we had no, no concept. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I think that's why it's good to, to get, when you have a team that, that kind of gets the flow and knows what it looks like, you can hit a really good groove and you can look at pho photography and just look and in one glance and go, yeah, that's not, that's not bacon time. That doesn't, that doesn't add up to bacon time where, where other times you're like looking at it, like, yeah, that's right on. Like everything I've seen this year is dead on. And, and I'm really proud of that because the guys got into really good groove and, you know, uh, they have over a million followers uh, in Thailand and it's, it's, it's really a strong, strong following of fans. And, and I think a lot of that has to do, you know, of course with the team at winning, but also that, the team has has a concept that communicates really easily to them. They can relate to these guys and they, they like them. But a lot of that has to do, I think, with managing the look, the brand, um, the feelings you get when you see it. Like, like even, you know, I worked I worked on, on Rugby World Cup for Heineken um, years back and each team, each team has a certain feel like the New Zealand All Blacks versus England's team like they, they bring a whole like like feeling with them and, and it, it's not just the colors you know it's not just the colors of the jersey it's 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 just a whole attitude and character with each team and what they stand for and that, that's that's I love that stuff so I I try to make sure when I'm working like like if I feel like if I'm starting to feel the team like I know I know we're in a good space Yes. So, so the ideas that you're talking about, the different creative concepts and, and things like that, are you the one that comes up with those or is there someone else or do you, do um, that you can work with other people or how does it usually um, work? Um, lately with, with the work I've been doing with, where it's a lot into kind of new product development, it's, 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 it's usually a client opportunity. Let's say it's a OTT type client and um, they're going to launch a TV show and how, how they do that is, is any number of ways, but, but we could, we could turn that into a tournament that could be a special tournament around that, the theme of that show, or it could be, um, 
uh, a one-off, uh, one verse one, or it could be a contest, a special contest in, in the real world. Um, it, 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 there's a number of ways. So, so, so in that regard, we, we'd get, we'd kind of, we'd, we'd see what we have to work with, what markets they want to be in. And then we'll start putting together ideas and we'll show maybe five ideas. And that's between me and, um, my brand partner here in Singapore. And, of course, our, our sales, our, our main sales guy, um, and he manages the relationships and gets the feedback. Um, and, and this is kind of how we develop it. It's never one person. It, it's, it's even in, in ad agencies, it's always a team of people. And, of course, it's always best if they get along and trying to achieve the same thing. And I think we are. I, I think we're always looking to, to, to be more inventive. Uh, yes and creative. We want to do stuff new all the time. And it's hard to do stuff new. Right. But, but that's the job. Like you have yes. to bring something new every time. I, I always want to diversify my folio, even as a, as a, just a creative person. I don't want to do the same thing 10 times. Yes. Yes. Now I'm going to, I'm going to ask a really unfair question. It's like, where do you get your ideas? What, what makes you creative? And one of the reasons that I, I bring this up is because because certainly you've had more experience in, in, in more situations where being creative has been part of, of, of what you do. But we talked last year, the last person that we had in this season was um, uh, Jeremy Utley from the Stanford Design School. And he wrote a book called Idea Flow. And his whole theory, and one of the reasons that I had him on the podcast was that you need divergent voices hmm. in, your, in, your, um, in, in your life to come up with ideas. Because his, his theory was that something along the lines of, you, you, there's no such thing as a new idea. If you're yeah. just you're just coming up with things, things are, are coming together in your mind. And the more divergent, the more more input you have from different places. And there's no such thing as a bad idea. Um, so that's why I was just kind of curious. Just from your viewpoint, what what makes you creative? Um, I I think it's a combination of kind of experience of what I've seen and what 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 I think I know. Um, that plus combining different. Um, concepts um and it could be it it could be ideas of different places but if you notice if you put just two odd things together you get something new and just combining things and trying to trying to get to a new thought or message like like uh, to me that's creativity because because you're trying to you're trying to combine kind of usually familiar concepts and um, make something new out of that. Hopefully, hopefully it, it's going to equate to a really clear message that, that, you know, you want to convey. And we're, I'm very commercial, uh, you know, here. So, so it's, it's, it's always has to be relevant uh, to a client. It also needs to be on brand with the client. There's, there's some clients that are really, um, fine with, with, let's say a game like PUBG, a first person, you know, Valorant type game. Um, and and other clients, other clients is just like, yeah, no way, we're not getting near that. But you know, give us, you know, your give us Axie Infinity, give us, give us, give us, you know, uh, ROV or something, Arena Valor, and and it's because it, it fits their brand. And it's just this is this is an opportunity, I think, for a lot of clients is is you do want to look for for spaces that you really fit. So as I'm creating things as a creative director all these years. Um, 
that's always on back of your mind because it's not just being creative for creative sake. Like, like we need more artists. So artists can do that and do that on their own without <laughs> a committee of agency and clients getting their hands on it because it, it, it changes. But most of the time I work with some, I work with some really good professional people and we, we mostly come from the same kind of school of thought about being very specific and being very methodical on how we get to, uh, a, let's say a commercial, uh, solution. Um, because it is advertising and we also need to measure it. So even, even now, I think with creative people, the challenge is, okay, I, that's really creative, but where's it go? What's your platform and how are we going to measure this? Like, like what's our criteria for success? And, and, um, I, I'm seeing a lot of that um, being asked right now because it's sponsorships. One thing like that's cool. You can do a lot of things in there. And, and I think a lot of teams have mastered that. But beyond that, it's, it's like, OK, what new can we bring? How do we measure it? What can we give to the fans that's going to align with our, our brand? And to me, that's 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 a creative challenge. Um, and I'm, I'm always thinking in terms like that. Um, so for me, creativity is really, I think, just combining, combining kind of elements and, and thoughts and, and kind of seeing what we, what we can do new, you know, cause like you said, like, uh, has it, has it all been done? It's like, yeah, I think so. I think, I think everyone's already solved most everything as a creative director for over 15 years. Um, I've had junior teams come to me with, and I feel so terrible. I feel like, oh man, I'm one of those jaded guys now. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I saw that idea uh, maybe, you know, 13 times in the last two years. Exact same idea, exact same reference video. And, you know, it's it's hard. It's it's hard that way. It's hard to keep them fresh and keep the, the teams motivated because, yeah, a lot of stuff's already out there. And, and one downside, I would say, of having so much information available um, with Google search for images and stuff is a, a lot of people come in with the exact same stock references. Um, I teach as well. Um, I teach a class here. And once in a while, I'll give out a creative brief like Tabasco or something. Right. And uh, the kids like you know, we, 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 put up the work on the wall. Like, like we, we share everything we do. Um, and that's how, that's how we learn is we review the work we do, but it's like so many times I'll give out one brief and there'll be about four, four different students working separately, coming back with the exact same imagery from Google search. And I'd even ask them, where'd you get that image? How did you search? What are your keywords? What you, and they all did the same thing. You know, with AI, it's a little a little more creative because they're prompting and, and the stuff's look right now, at least it's looking really like fresh and brand new. And that's fun because um, we kind of went from searching for stock images or photography to make our imagery. Now we're uh, AI in it. And it's like, how good is your vocabulary? How, how skillful is your prompts to to get something great out of AI? And I, I, I think that's going to advance us, too, because it, it gives us just so much more time to combine different things and elements. And um, I, I love, I've been using mid journey and it's just so exciting. Like I, I think I was stuck on that for probably three weeks straight. I couldn't get off it. Is it which, which platform is that on? Uh, mid journey. It's, it's, it's one of the, the, the image <clears throat> uh, AI generators. 
Oh, yeah. And, and I was using it for for I was I was working on a game for Roblox that I was I was using it to develop visuals and using prompts in like claymation landscapes, uh, pastel color palettes, and it was giving me like the coolest stuff. And sometimes it's a disaster, but I got better at it. And it's just to me, it, it cracks me up because it, it's I felt new again. It just felt really fresh. What's really good is to hear hear you sound excited about AI. And what it can do and what it can do, what it can't do. But, but the, it still comes back to the creative input to make it happen. Because so many people, when you talk about areas, oh, they're coming for our jobs. You know, we're all going to be, you know, uh, moved aside for yeah. AI. But I don't hear that with you. I, I, it, is, it has saved me hours of, of putting images together. My presentations, like it's not perfect and, and I, you know, you don't never expect it to be, but, um, it has helped me visualize work. It's helped me think about new solutions because sometimes it would give you something that you didn't quite think of uh, as, as a solution. And then in that like, uh, error, you'll, you, you discover something else and you see it like, like a machine on its own wouldn't spot it. And and it created it kind of, you know, on its own. And that was the output. And you look at it and you're like, actually, that's even a better idea inside of there. Like, I, like I, I, you know, that's the exciting part. Yes. That was one of the things I really liked in reading Jeremy's book, which I'm, I'm not selling here. I'm just. I'm going to look this, this up. No, I'll, sh- I'll show it to you after, after the episode here, after the recording. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things he says, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Because he said, if you're sitting around talking. And people come up with a bad idea. He said, so often that bad idea is going to trigger something in someone else that's going to be the the home run sort of thing. Just like you're saying with AI. I want to keep moving here because otherwise I'm going to run out of time because I I think it's really interesting. I want to talk about uh, what you're doing with College League in India. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because because that's, that's one of the things. If you could just kind of describe what you're doing there. And then I'm going to ask you why you're doing it there. Okay. Um, that's exciting. So, so we just, we were just getting into, um, a new concept league that we're calling college rivals. And this, this is being backed by DMI finance. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a co-venture with, with Ampverse and DMI, uh, finance. And the idea is to, um, tour colleges. And have colleges compete. So it's a college league. And the real concept of it is all driven off of um, the idea of, of rivalries and, and competition makes people better. And that's why rivalries are so great. And, and, and this is, maybe it's just a human thing, but uh, the rivalries between schools is one thing, right? It's, it's You know how hot that can get. <laughs> I, I went to Stanford and we, we can never say a good thing about <laughs> okay. Berkeley. I mean, you just, it's just not in our blood. That, that's what I mean. And, and, you know, you wouldn't be caught dead with, with a, a Berkeley uh, pennant <laughs> in your house. Like, no, no, it, no. It would, not happening. Um, so the power of that alone mm-hmm. is scary. Then you get to the next level and it's inside, like in the schools, the universities, you have team versus team, the teams you put together. Then you have person versus person, but ultimately it's you against you. And that that's, I think, really rich. And 
right now, you know, I don't say it's starting small, but, but, um, you know, the first we're, we're working on the websites now. And that's the other thing I do is I'll, I'll work on website design and things like that. And again, all of it lined up to this brand Bible. We had the brand look we put together and we're, we're trying to discover as we go, what, how do we put, how do we, how do we combine this? And, and, um, what does our truck look like? Cause just to promote it, we're going to have this, uh, kind of roving truck that's going to go around and do roadshows wow. and you can play in there. And the concept is to get some coaching for, for the games in there and the players. Cause we really, the, the, the ultimate goal would be to see some pro players come out of this. We want, we want to lift the, the Indian, um, uh, players up to, to professional level. And, and you can only do that by being highly competitive, um, with reviews and with coaching. Cause you can't, you know, you can't just let people play on their own, whatever it is. It's, 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 it's just not, it needs to be more, more, more of a program. And with, 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 with this concept, um, I'm certain we're going to, we're going to see some stars come out of this and, and they can come from anywhere. And that's what's so great is like, it, it could be anybody. Um, yeah. so, and, so why, why, why India? Why not Philippines? Why not Vietnam? Why not well, Malaysia? Why, why not another place? What, what made you, made the, the decision to go to India for at least to start out? Well, I think I, it was clearly, um, the Indian numbers are off the charts as far as the growth goes. Um, as far as Asia goes, India is going faster than anyone else in, in, in even Indonesia, I believe. So, so, so it, it's a growth market and, uh, it, it is, it is not from what we're seeing, every indicator we see, it is not slowing down. So it's a very, very exciting growing market. Um, the demographics too suggest that, uh, it, it could, it could only grow. We got a younger, a younger, uh, average age there, of course. Um, so we're lined up. So, so, so DMI finance, of course, seeing the opportunity. Um, in their own country to, 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 you know, enable this to happen. Like, like for them, to them, they, it's a great way to come into market and, and make a connection with this, with this group of, of, of athletes. And this is, this is, of course, um, not their expertise. Um, so this is a ramp burst comes in. We know how to run games. We, we, we know how to run teams and, and we're really good at, at branding. So, so we start putting together this whole package and our founder, Char, Char, Charlie, is really involved out there. And, and, you know, you got to be on the ground. So, so it's one of those, it's just one of those things. It's, it's a real Asian thing. You got, you got to be in person. So it's a lot of plane rides and a lot of like shaking hands and you got to eat together, man. It's, 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 it's Asia. Yes. Yes. Um, so what would have been some of the biggest surprises to you from, from so far that you were so far in the, in the, in the adventure? Um, right. Right. I think it's the first people that sign up and once the schools are able to sign up, that that's the point I'm waiting for right now. We're just like preparing like the field and there's nothing surprising yet. Except, except maybe, uh, the debates about which games to play and which, you know, and, and right now our list is like a CSGO, Valorant for PC. We have FIFA, um, Tekken, uh, BGMI, which is the Indian version of PUBG. 
um, that was it was banned last year, and then it's back online this year with, with BGMI and uh, Clash Royale. Um, you know, th- those last they're mobile, of course, but that's that's which games is a big deal, I think, and and um, you know the, the Olympic esports series was just here in Singapore and got a lot that's of right. flack for not featuring some of the the mainline esport um, titles. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a different, that's their thing. They, they, they definitely took a position. They did it really well too. And, and, and even with college rivals in India, like, like, you know, you have to think through the games, what's popular and what do we want to develop? And you can't just be one, one type of game. You got to spread, it's got, it's got to be spread out. It's, it's, so it's, it's more evenly, you know, taught so people can learn and we can all, you know, develop from there. We're going to learn a lot. Um, we're, we're, we're agonizing even over setting up the website just to make sure we capture everything we need to capture from what areas, like, like if we see more interest in, in one part of India than the other, because that the data is going to help us develop, you know, the, the, the next, the next year's effort. So we got to be really active and, and, and really listen, you know, we're doing, we, we just did the launch video that just came out and, we're just trying to imagine something that's that hasn't happened yet. And for a rivalry, like I, I kept saying, like, we really got to pay attention during the contest because um, we got to spot rivals. We have to we have if like, yes, we either have to spot them or make them. <laughs> and a lot has to do with the hype and the press. And, and we can control a lot of that. We just by putting two heads together, like we can mix up different schools. We can mix up different teams. And we can create our own legacy rivalries that are going to go on for years. So for us, we, we see this tournament as starting in India. And then later, you know, college rivals can definitely go to Philippines. We could definitely do it in Jakarta. But we just want to get it all right in India. And India, we know, is just going to grow. It's just that'll be a success story. So I'm just I'm, I'm very excited about that whole that whole that whole concept's great. No, it's great. No, it, I, I can tell that you're excited about it. Just yeah. you're, you're talking about, which is great. That, that's that's the way it should be. Can you talk just a little bit about the time frame? Because one of the things, and I'll, I'll keep repeating it because it needs repeated, is how important it is to plan ahead. Because so many people in esports, they're like, "Oh, you know, I just qualified for Evo. Now I need to figure out how I'm going to go to Evo." You know, it's like <laughs> you know, there's there's certain things that 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 people you know. People with the best of intentions and some people that are just incredibly smart at what they're doing that in, in life in general, it's sometimes hard. It's always hard to plan in the, in the long term. What, what do you think is your is, is your team's strength on on planning long term? Um, long term, of course, is always easier. The more runway you have, the higher chance you have of getting a sponsor into what you're doing. And it also gives your sponsor a chance to start shaping um, your your tournament, let's say, to fit their brand better. And um, if they're coming in, let's uh, last minute, not that they come in last minute, but if they were, they have less options because a lot of this stuff has already been settled. And you can you can imagine a scenario where you've been planning a tournament, you build it, you have the concept, and then a big sponsor all of a sudden is interested, and he wants a different name. You know, or they want to come at it and and have a different game or something, but the same concept. So you got to you got to be a little flexible, and if you have more runway, that's easier to come by. You know, and and 
six months, like most sponsorships, if you talk to any of the sales guys, they're like anything under six months is, is, is a big ask to, for us to get somebody in who's heavy, you know, and, and we want, we always, in esports, I think in general, we want the big sponsors. We want to be validated by these big brands. We want to be part of their, you know, heritage, their strength. And, and likewise, you know, they want to, they want our, our, our fans, our players, uh, you know, and um, that's better. I know we can throw together. We can throw together because of experience. Um, we can put together a, a tournament um, in Dubai in like three weeks flat if we had to. I, and that, that's because of experience. We know the steps. We we use this software to keep track of kind of projects and stuff. And uh, we did we did our uh, tournament in, in the Philippines last year. And Jen who was doing her, he, she does our partnerships and also this event. Um, I saw all the steps to make the tournament and it was just the longest list I've ever seen. And so methodical from top, like, what do you have to secure, uh, you know, down to, down to insurance and down to, you know, every player, every KOL, but, but really like transport, uh, food and beverage, like, uh, internet service, all of it is just, you have to think of everything. And that sheet was just a masterclass on, on how to put a tournament together in my mind. Cause I, I went through it every line. I, first time I just took the time to go through it because that's really not my job scope at all. But I went through her work. I'm like, Oh my God, she really did so much work here, but that's what it takes. And if you have that experience, you, you could, you could, you could really do something quick. That might not be beautiful, <laughs> but you can do it quick. No, th that's one of the things I always remember working over here at Warner Brothers. And uh, you know, for something like Harry Potter, oh my God, the planning, the planning documents that went into that were stupendous. I mean, but they were very successful. But yeah. it's like the amount of but it, it, the spreadsheets. It's always a joke how small you could make the font on, <laughs> on, on Excel to, to see how much you could fit because there were so many details out yeah. there. But they just... It, that was just the way that it was done. So a lot of it, I think, is also discipline on just you know saying, "Hey, we're thinking of this long run." The thing that that just occurred to me, the way that you're describing it, there is with college rivals, you're creating something that has a longer life to it than a single tournament, yeah. and so it's more sellable. Like just like you're describing, I'm kind of repeating what you were saying, but, yeah. but I thought that was a really interesting concept. That is like if you were going to go out and say, "Okay, we want to go, we want to attract really big sponsors." And they don't want to go for one-offs. So how yeah. do we fit that? How do we create something? I mean, this is the kind of thing that you'd create. Exactly. And and I, I think that's where the creativity comes in, where you think like, hey, maybe we have a different theme every year, you know? So it could be college rivals, the return, or, you know, the last battle. Like you can, you can, we can title it just like game releases, like, like it, give a theme to it that fits the sponsor. So down the line, maybe it's a perfect match for like, you know, thumbs up a cola, uh, which is a, a Coca-Cola brand in India. Like we, we can line that up if we had, if we just had more fork up and work with them early and, it, and, and it'll grow. Like, like, like we know the, the, we know the tournament would just grow and they can get on the back of that. And then the following year, we, maybe it's another sponsor. Um, yeah, it's a car company, and it's all auto related. It's uh, yeah, it's like Rocket League. 
I love Rocket League. (laughs) Yeah, which is one thing you can pitch to almost anyone is everyone. Everyone can do that, unlike Mortal Kombat. That that's that's just it. I mean, you uh, you're watching like League of Legends, and you're like, it's it happens all so fast. And then and then you know, Rocket League. uh, You know, that was up at an exhibition match. You know, at esports, the Olympic series, and it's like. Well, that everyone gets that. You get that in two seconds. Yes, yes, yes. It's so easy to. Uh, one of the things I also want to t- touch on here is culture, because you talked about it a little bit. But you, uh, your particular position, I mean, we were talking a little bit about understanding things just from a language standpoint, but just the culture from all of these different co- um, countries that you're dealing with are, you, you, there's some similarities there's going to be tremendous differences from a creative standpoint. How do you look at culture being your friend? Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been in Asia a long time. So it was over 20 years. So from, for me, it's, it's something I had to learn on as I went, we made mistakes in some markets with brands uh, in the past where we didn't really um, understand what was happening on the ground well enough. And this is the strength now is, is I, th- I think, let's say we have a team in Vietnam. Um, we get feedback. So we have weekly meetings and we, you just, you just learn as, as you go when you hear about how the fans react. Um, when, when the team loses in Vietnam, like fans tear their jerseys, uh, their own jerseys off and throw them on the ground. Like they, they hate the loss and, and that's pretty unique to Vietnam from everything I've heard. Um, and they even have like these outdoor matches too, where they kind of have, you know, a projection or watch party kind of things. And, and th- these are, these, these, these are great. And, um, in Thailand, you see, you see parents dropping the kids off at these and they wait it. They're waiting outside the hotel, whatever. And we're, we're hosting, let's say a launch party. I'm sorry, not a launch party, like a watch party. Watch like, so you're watching the game and, um, you just get you just you just get more feedback and and from 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 our people on the ground. You have to have locals in each market um, that understand the nuances of being local. There's there's some there's some really really slight differences between each. You can't say Vietnam's the same as Thailand versus Manila. They're radically different in music tastes, in food, in just how they behave um, uh, during during matches. Um, Culturally, like every place, you got to have a lot of respect for because it's really a different different zone. Um, and they got different rules. They got they so you know socially they got different rules, and and that's 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 what's so cool. That I think that's that's really rich, and it's quite it's quite a, a big area in some ways, but really small in others. You know. Now, one of the things that yeah yeah because one of the things I think people can smell a mile away is when it's it's not culturally appropriate or it doesn't match up with your culture it's like oh no this is this is some american thing or something i mean which which won't have the same resonance um yeah and and it's funny because i've heard i've heard so many times um clients uh even here in singapore where, where they're like well our our you know our 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 Customers won't understand that. That's too Western. Like that's too, that's too American. Oh, you know. And then it's like, well, I don't know, because 
the, the movies and uh, Netflix and everything people are watching here is is all the American top shows. So you can't tell me they don't un- they won't understand that joke or they won't understand that you know uh, humor because uh, they they can they can it just it's just it's really up to the creators and and you know taking a risk. But I've I've seen a lot of good ideas get smashed just because they thought it was too Western. And they wanted it to be uh, even style-wise uh, more slapstick because that's what they've seen before in in you know their terrestrial TV, their local TV, and they think that's what everyone likes. This kind of um, dumbed-down uh, slapstick type comedy, when it could be a lot smarter with a lot more dialogue, and um, you know, I think we missed we missed the boat. And on many occasions because of this and, and, and there's no, there's, there's no real answer, but, but it's, 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 it's up to each client to ultimately decide kind of what, what they think it should be. Agencies, agencies will recommend um, to death with examples, but there's not, there's, there, it's, it's always, it's always different. And, but when they pull the culture card, it's, it's, it's a tough one to push back on, especially as a foreigner, like, like, when, you know, when I got here, especially like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not from here. So, so, um, I don't have a lot to say, but that's when you kind of look over at your local colleagues and your local colleagues can usually fill the gap nicely and, and yes. make good examples. But again, you need to have people here, um, that know their stuff. Do you ever have a situation where it's not Western enough? Yeah. Um, so, uh, not to name names, but but it seems a lot of, uh, a lot of the work for Sony um, they they really wanted the the work with their casting to look more Western. Um, in my experience, so we would cast more Caucasian people in in a lot of the material, and that changed over time. That was early on, and then it started changing more to be more localized work, and that changed. But but you know years ago uh, they wanted it to look more Western because they wanted it um, in their minds to look more premium. They wanted it to feel like an import, and that you know in the and and years back in 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 countries like Singapore, there were ads that were just kind of adapted over wholesale, and they wouldn't remake them. Um, so you would see you would see dubbed work from from Europe, or, or you'd see uh, an ad from England or the U.S. Um, wholesale, you know. Uh, and then then there was quite an industry here where we would reshoot uh, clone ads, we called them. So so they'd make a Campbell soap ad in Chicago, and then they'd want to reshoot it out here with local talent, um, and then they'd want to reshoot it again in like Jakarta, and then. They want to make sure they have Muslim people in, in the ad. So it obviously resonates with the Muslim. Like that makes sense to me, but it's the exact same script. Um, I did this, I did a script for Expedia um, not too long ago and um, same exact script. And we use local uh, talent in Singapore, Malaysia and um, Vietnam and Thailand. And it's the exact same script, every different director, Lo- different local director, different local talent, all done in their their uh, main language, and that's fun. Like to me, that's fun because it's it's so it's, it was just so like you look you lined them up and played them one after another, 
and they're just so radically like different and they're very localized and and of course, the Thai ones always are hilarious. Th- Thais do do TV and video. they're so good. They're so funny. They just they do their own thing. But and others like Singapore, I think we make a mistake of trying to be too Western. We try to emulate and and parody kind of more Western um, style. Where where it, it's not like that in Thailand. Thais are all Thai. Like it is Thai <laughs> Thai Thai, and they're proud of it, and that's cool. Hong Kong is a little like that too. Yes. Uh, we, I spent a summer in Bangkok and, um, and one of my favorite commercials was at the time, it's been a while now, but at the time in, in the rural areas, they would, they would show movies like, mm-hmm. you know, major, major motion pictures, but, th- but there was no dubbing. So there was someone who was talented enough. He would do the entire script out loud and, and he, so he would mimic all of the voices <laughs> and which you just think, and of course, you know, after he's seen the movie 400 times, you know, he gets pretty good. But there was a Coke <laughs> commercial showing someone doing this. And it was so much fun. It was, it was just like, I, I wanted to go see one of these just yeah. not that I understand time, but just that the concept of it was just, just fascinating. Hey, I, as we close up here, I was going to ask you a couple of family questions. Is that okay? Yeah. You said you're, you're starting a family there. You have a small a small child uh, yes. in the household. Can you describe what, have you put some thought into what their gaming future will look like? What, when, when's appropriate and what's appropriate for, for kids? Do, do parents think of these days? Um, I, I had a friend, he's, he's struggling with his, um, his teenage boy. He can't, he can't get him to stop playing Valorant. Um he's really concerned about this, but my point of view is like, you know, there's, there's jobs, um, doing 3d design. There's jobs in gaming. If you want to call it uh, metaverse, sure. Um, um, it's only growing. And, and what could I teach a kid some C plus plus, uh, C sorry, C sharp to, to learn some maybe unity engine stuff, like, you know, basic game building. Like, yeah, like if, 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 and I have a daughter, she's only 15 months. Of course, it's too early, um, to introduce logic or, 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 you know, uh, game design, but I just want her to have fun right now. Like for me, it's just all about, um, all kinds of games, like physical, physical playing a hide and seek game is, is this beginning, you know, hide and (laughs) hide and seek. Is that like, you know, a future counter strike, uh, push? I don't know. But but uh, for me, it's, I'm, I'm very open to technology. So, so um, I just want to be able to identify what my daughter uh, likes. And if, if she is into engineering, like I want to make sure we put that kind of material in front of her so she can learn more about it. Um, if it's music, it's likewise. So. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite positive. Um, I, I had such a great, great life, um, gaming and I wouldn't say it destroyed my school. I, 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 you know, I had healthy friendships outside. Like, like to me, it was all, it was all positive. I know we have some problems in, in, in some areas and it needs to be addressed by parents and, you know, that that's that that'll that'll always happen i think with with anything so where people are so passionate but yeah with my young with my young family yeah but but yeah i i tell you she'll she'll pick up a she'll pick up an xbox 
uh, controller. That's like one of her favorite things because there's buttons and switches. It's it's better than the TV remote. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. The, one of the, the most fun stories that we heard recently here on the podcast, there was a daddy solo from Nigeria and she, uh, she, her son created an Instagram video to explain to her what esports were and why uh-huh. it was important that he was able to play them. And I just thought that was, that was so good. It's like, it's like a whole, you can do a whole series of, of kids explaining um, esports to their parents. See, that's, that's a, that's a huge idea. Just that and how they communicate and using how he sees people communicating to talk to his parents and in a, in a very comfortable way. Um, I, I've heard of kids here uh, showing uh, their parents uh, reasons they should get they they should get a dog on PowerPoint, you know, and it's it's just so cute that they're taking yes. like to in their minds like the most formal way to get something uh, approved <laughs> and yes. putting it on there to pitch it. I, I just I love the idea. Yeah, yeah. So and we were talking to some other people. They were just talking about what a, what an interesting power dynamic that was. Of the child taking the role of the teacher, so yeah, they, just all kinds of, of of things. So if we see this showing up in one of your campaigns, we'll know where it came from. <laughs> I yeah, you're gonna see that we're gonna be using that for college rivals this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Feel free. The other question I had was about your wife and yeah. her social media presence. What what have you learned from her success on social media that has translated into your you've been able to use in your job? Yeah, I think it's it's um the, the more real she is, uh mm, mm. the better it is. Like we we see more engagement off of her like her Instagram stories than anything else. Like people just go nuts. They write her, they're completely engaged because it's it's live, it's real. And they, it happened that day and she'll put problems out because yeah, being a mother is not easy. There's it, it's not perfect. Things go wrong. And um, things you heard weren't always true or not true for, to you. And a lot of people, you know, that they, they relate to that. So for me, I, I think the struggle is, is, is good to share too. And, you know, she, she, she's XMTV. She was an MTV VJ. And then later she was a um, host on discovery channel and, you know, her fan base has really changed. So it kind of went from people like, like, you know, watching her for music and MTV, then discovery type was a bit, bit older people. Uh, and then it kind of changed over to moms. So all of a sudden the demographics changed and she has more moms watching than, than, than guys, you know? And so you see the, you see all the dashboard and it's like, wow, it's really, it's really changed. She posts less now, but the stuff she does post is when she feels like it. So it's not so machined forced. And I think we fall into a trap of, of, cause we know we're, we're, we're professionals. So we're trying to market stuff. So, so we really follow a content plan. And I think, I think by her kind of stepping back a bit, and and not feeling so forced to post things all the time, this stuff got better. It, it, the work got better. She's happier with it, and it was it was truer to what was going on. So I think I think while they, while I've learned a lot from millennials telling me, oh, you got to be authentic. I think they're right. 
I, I just think I just think it's a human thing. I just think you you just you just connect easier with stuff you feels really real rather than the photos that are kind of over retouched and you don't believe them. And it's, it's fantasy land because it, it really gets in your head. But, but well, I learned think, that a lot. It, it, well, think where you came from. You came from uh, certainly in an agency background. Everything is fake. I mean, everything is, th- is in the way yeah. that it's, it's not yeah. authentic. Everything, well, whatever it is, here's, everything is thought through. There's nothing on there by accident, just the opposite. All the, all the mistakes have been taken away. It's like, this is, this is the, the, the you know, the perfect um, presentation that we want people to see sort of thing. And where someone on, on Instagram stories or something like that, it's like, oops, you know, the dog's barking. It's, it, it's like, it's, yeah. it, it's that human connection that, just wasn't there before. You couldn't have been there before. You 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 you, you nailed it. Um, I, I used to look at our agency photography for our clients and and especially our people stuff that's supposed to be lifestyle, and it's so stiff. And you're like, why do they look plastic? And and then you remember the set, and you're like, you remember the comments to the photographer and the model. It's like, yeah, can you tilt that cup of cappuccino a little more to the left? Okay, one inch higher. Okay, hold still, hold, okay, no, smile, lift one eyebrow. Like, of course it looks plastic because, because you're, you're, you're treating them like this kind of like this avatar where you're just trying to manipulate into something. And yet when I worked at, at the, the fashion magazines, um, the lifestyle shoots were so relaxed. It's like, what's our scene? It's like, oh, we got to have, we got to show the model styled like this. She's having a cup of coffee. And that's, that's the brief where, if it's an ad agency, it's like the foam, the, you know, the, the cup has to look like that. And it just gets really, 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 you know, um, artificial fast. And then the Instagrammers nail it because they, in, in most cases, um, they paint something truer to life. I think that we can relate to and they'll show themselves walking into a restaurant and that's a better commercial than any restaurant could put out with a 200k budget like uh yeah their influencer just nailed it walking in there with a with a camera um so yeah it's it's I, that authentic um concept goes a long way with me and and I'm, I, I see people respond people really really respond to it yes. and 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 agencies agencies like they do their thing and that's cool like i think we'll still need that for a while but but I, I I just think um, we've learned a lot from the, our influencers. We used to really like look down on them. I think at the start we used to not want to do that work in the agencies, and then they start taking our business, <laughs> and now we're all paying attention. It's like like you, you can learn from the kids because they do it really well, and they do it really well for their audiences. They got enormous and this giant fan base because um, they know what they're doing and they know what their fans like. You know, it's, 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 it's impressive. Like, like some of our influencers in Thailand, one guy is bigger than the entire Singapore, uh, TV, uh, broadcasting system. Like the one guy has a bigger audience. Um, and he did it, he does it by himself and stuff like that just blows my mind. Well, and think of the, think of the connection he has with his audience. I mean, I mean, the, the influence that yeah, he has yeah. over them. I mean, I, I mean, he could, he can, he can sell things. He can present things completely at a much deeper level than than yeah. You trust, spending you trust them. They're 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 real people. 
you know, you see someone maybe like Brad Pitt and you think you know him because you see him in movies. But it's different when there's an influencer who, you know, shows, shows you what he had for lunch down on the street with the street food. It's totally different. Um, and it, this is just, again, being authentic and identifying with these people. And I'm a fan of, of some of the influencers, too. I watch what they post. I, you know, they crack me up. So, so. I don't know. I just, the power, the power of it's incredible. And it's something I've, I've, I've just grown to appreciate more and more. Yes. Yes. Hey, I, I we're going to keep going. I, I can just keep asking you questions. because this, this is really interesting to me. And I think it will be to our audience, but where can people find out more about you, what you're doing? Um, I think linked, I've, I've been sharing more stuff on LinkedIn lately. So if you look at okay. Rob, Rob Gax on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm there. It's, I'm easy to find. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to share more kind of gaming stuff, just just stuff we're doing, but just also in general. I'm, I think I'll be posting up more reviews of games and type of games, all, all in hopes of trying to educate future clients, future brands who might think of different ways to, to advertise with gaming. I, I just I'm going to share everything I know. I might even share some projects that I pitched and didn't go anywhere. Um, oh, yeah. Just, yeah. You know, just just share the knowledge. Like, like I'm not I'm not going to keep it in my folders and hide it. Like, I, I think it's we can learn and keep moving forward if we just you know are more open, especially especially at this moment. I think in in esports. Yes, yes. Hey, again, I really appreciate your time here uh, on, on your Saturday morning. Oh, I so, love it. Um, Thank you so much. So yeah, so thanks for our listeners for listening to the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Change lives. Play games, change. I'll say this right over the first time. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks again, Robert. Hey, thank you. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded. And so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at GamersChangeLivesPodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening. Thank you.